Alumni Relations Office at NJIT. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome today Dr. Ginny Barrow, class of 1999 and class of 2009. Ginny is an entrepreneur and international speaker. She's a leadership coach, a career strategist. She is the uh, number one best-selling author of Fearless Women at Work. She has more than 20 years of leadership experience in highly competitive work environments in finance and technology. She has been a tremendous speaker, a volunteer, and a leader uh, at NJIT as well. And I'm very pleased to welcome her uh, and join joining us here today. Jenny, thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone. Hi, Michael. Nice to see you again. It's my pleasure. Um, so I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to uh, talk about today. I know the title of the presentation is Owning Your Career with Personal Resilience. I wanted to let you know, Jenny, we have a tremendous amount of interest from alumni, particularly at this time, uh, career-wise and just sort of thought leadership-wise. So uh, not only are the alumni interested in hearing from you and our students are interested in hearing from you, I myself am interested in uh, hearing from you. So I'm uh, anxious to get us started. I'm very excited to be here. So I'm going to share my screen because I want to show you my presentation. As I say hello to everybody, I hope that you and your families are safe. I know this is a very... Um, uh, difficult time that we're all going through and I want to let you know that we recognize that and we appreciate you for um, what you're going through and uh, sending you lots of love. All right, so I'm going to start my presentation. Michael, let me know if you can see it. We are good to go. Okay, so I don't have volume anymore. All right, here we go. So I hope that you can hear me. Uh, Michael, can you type in the comments if you can hear me because I can't hear you anymore. Okay. Let me see in the comments real quick before we continue. I can see without my glasses. Okay, excellent. You can hear me. So today we're here to talk about owning your career with personal resilience, which I don't believe there has been uh, another time when this has been more relevant. And I'll give you some, some statistics and some numbers that I'm going to share with you. As Michael mentioned, I was a graduate of NJIT in 99 when I graduated with my master's in computer science, on my way to getting my PhD in information systems under the guidance of Dr. Alok Chakrabarty and Dr. Fadi Deek. And I will share with you one of the stories about uh, what I had to go through in terms of personal resilience to finish my PhD at NJIT. So I want to get right into it. And I always like to start my presentations by making sure that we're all on the same page around what owning your career with personal resilience means. So owning your career, from my definition, means that you take full responsibility and accountability for the roadmap that you create for your career. And with personal resilience, let's look at what resilience means. So according to the definition, resilience is a person's capacity to respond to periods of high demand and land on their feet, bounce back. And I'll share with you some of the stories about my own career where I had to bounce back. And what about you? I know that all of us, whether you are a student right now, a full-time student, or whether you've already been working for years, that we all have stories when we have been resilient in our career or in our life. So I want you to think about those times, and especially when you're going through a tough patch, 
So you can lean on those stories and what happened and you were how you were able to overcome the setbacks to move forward constructively. So that's what we mean today when we talk about owning your career with personal resilience is how can we direct our career roadmap and use our prior experiences going through rough patches to land on our feet over and over again. So why is this important, the topic of owning your career? Well, I'm going to share with you a few studies that I believe are very relevant to the situation that we're facing today and to the future to come. The first one is a study by the McKinsey Global Institute. They do this study every few years, and it's a study on the workforce for the new economy. In this study, they highlight how technological advances such as automation and digitization have transformed U.S. industry and jobs. In the study, they, they project that the speed of skill displacement driven by technology changes is projected to double over the next 10 years. 50% of workforce activities could be automated, but only 15% have been automated, which means that in the next decade, over 30% of employees of U.S. workers, or approximately 47 million people, are going to have to change jobs or significantly upgrade their skills. If that's not compelling for us to own our careers with personal resilience, I'm not sure what is. Now, this was before the situation that we're in arrived, before this global pandemic. So if we look at what is happening now, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the U.S. employment rate is here. 7.1 million people are unemployed, reflecting the pandemic right now. That takes our unemployment rate to about 4.4%. And there are estimates that go as high as 13% unemployment when we use the April numbers we put it in the New York Times based on 10 million people filing for unemployment benefits. So this is another reason why owning our career at this time is extremely critical. But not everything is bad news. There is some good news. And this was a study that McKinsey, uh, the McKinsey Global Institute also conducted. And it was about the global employment growth trends by 2030, pre-pandemic. I just want to make that little caveat. According to that study, they are projecting $23 trillion in growth due to global consumption. That means that 250 million to 280 million new jobs will be generated from rising income and consumption. For anybody who is listening, who is an NGIT alumni or a student, 50%, we are expecting a 50% increase in spending on technology. STEM careers, and that will translate into 20 million to 50 million new jobs related to developing and deploying new technologies. So I wanted to break this down for you because of the relevance to our fields in STEM and business. 
According to that report by McKinsey Global, the McKinsey Global Institute, 48% of the growth is going to be in health-related careers. And the STEM professionals are going to experience approximately a 37% growth. And that is the good news. So it is important for us to concentrate on what have I done to date? If you're a student, what can I do going forward? And if you've been working already for years, like Michael and I have, what can we do in the future to own our career and to guide it in a way that's the most prosperous and beneficial to us? So how do we do it? How do we own our career with personal resilience? Throughout this entire presentation, I want you to engage with us. And I'm going to actually click on my live comments so that I can see what you're answering as much as I can. So let's make this an engaging experience. I don't know about you, but when I am training online, especially lately, I love to engage and answer questions. And that's also my way to solidify the information in my brain. And that helps me remember. So that helps you too. Please go ahead and, and, and join us and make comments so that I can see that you're there and, um, and that you are getting this. And throughout, I'm going to be asking you to comment. And uh, I think it will be a lot more fun for, for all of us. All right. Before I conclude with the studies, I want to leave you with, with one last one. And you will hear me share some of my stories of resilience in my career. And one of the th themes that you're going to see in what I share with you is that purpose was always at the heart of all those chapters in my life when I went through a really rough patch. And I want to relate it because it's not only my experience, but also what they have found. The Harvard Business Review reported on a study where leaders across 28 companies who put purpose at the heart of their business strategy were able to benefit by generating sustained profitable growth, staying relevant in a rapidly changing world and deepening relationships with stakeholders. They also found that to develop the best workforce, when we allow or assign our employees, the, given the ability to perform more tasks using their gifts, their strengths, their superpowers, when we appreciate them for their contributions, and when they're able to see the big picture, the mission of the organization and how their work fits into that mission, they're able to find meaning in their work and perform at their best. So if we use the same parallel in terms of business, and related to putting purpose at the heart of our personal strategy, our career strategy. That means creating our career strategy founded and anchored in the sense of purpose. So with that, your takeaway from me today, if you don't remember anything else, is this. Let's own your career grounded in the sense of purpose. That's going to be what puts that fire in your belly for going after what you want. But to do that, you need to understand your why, what drives you, what makes you tick. 
know your strengths, how you contribute, what, how you add value to your employer, how you are valued in your family, in your relationships, and then leverage your why and those, those strengths in the context of all the changes that we're facing right now, the changes that your business landscape is experiencing, and the changes that we're experiencing globally. So that's your takeaway from me today. And with that, I wanted to tell you what we're going to cover today. So to own our career with personal resilience, we're going to cover three key topics. The first one is developing a growth mindset, what that means and why that's important to us. Then the second one will be how to assess your unique value and strengths. And I'm going to give you homework to do throughout all of these topics. And finally, the third segment is going to be on executing your personalized action plan. So right now in the chat, tell me what you are excited about when it comes to this training. And I'm going to give you homework throughout. So if you thought that you were going to get away without any homework, think again. Um, unfortunately, we're only together for 60 minutes today. So no matter how fast I speak, I don't want to breeze through everything. Um, so instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to touch on some major areas and topics. I'm going to give you some direction. And then I'm going to ask you at the end to go back. We're going to share this PowerPoint presentation. Go back and do the homework so that you can get the most benefit from it. Otherwise, it will be a nice conversation and you're listening to me for an hour and you walk away a little bit inspired, maybe if we're lucky, and then nothing changes. So I really want you to take this seriously and say, you know what? I'm going to own my career starting today and I'm going to work on these exercises that Jenny recommended. It's for your benefit. So with that, I want to start by sharing a little bit about me in the context of you. In other words, what were some of those chapters in my life when I experienced a period that was high demand. I was going through a lot and how I was able to land on my feet. And most importantly, what were some of those factors, some of those components and ingredients that I used to land on my feet? And that's what I'm hoping will serve you today. So my intent is to share some of these stories and to help you identify what are those things for you so that you can be more self-aware about them and leverage them. So when I was back in high school, those of you who have already heard me speak, I know Lashmi, you're, you're listening to us because you're, you're an alumni of NGIT. I, uh, I've shared with you before, and those of you that are listening for the first time, that I came to this country when I was 14 years old. I come originally from the Dominican Republic at this small village near Haiti. And my mom decided to come to the United States to give us a better life as a family. When I landed in, in 1983, I was 14. I didn't know the language. I was in a brand new culture. I had no friends, but I knew that my life would never be the same once I got to the United States. And I couldn't be happier despite knowing that I had so many challenges. Back then, my purpose was to break the cycle of poverty and to become a professional woman who could stand on her own two feet. So that meant that I had a, an uphill climb ahead of me because the first thing I needed to do was to graduate from high school. And how was I going to do that when I was starting from scratch? 
So I got to work. I began to study everything that I possibly could. I spent hours working on my homework with a dictionary next to me to translate the textbooks. I went to summer schools every summer of high school. I took advantage of every single program that my guidance counselor, Mr. Rivas, recommended. And all my hard work paid off because I graduated high school, third in my class, in the regular English program. And what that meant for me is that I was going to be able to go to college. I got into Rutgers to study computer science. And it also meant that I would be the first person in my family to graduate from college. So I was on my way. And although I knew that college was going to be extremely difficult, I was ready to bring it. So I got to college. And if I were to tell you that it was a breeze, I would be a liar because it wasn't a breeze. It was extremely hard. And there were many, many instances that I can tell you about when I thought I was going to flunk out of college. I went to school with very smart people. And here I am, four years in the country, even pop culture, right? Like in the dorm when you had to interact and play games and do things like that with your peers, I was, I always felt like I was catching up, that I was always behind. And I remember vividly multiple times calling my family in Jersey City and my stepdad Joe picks up the phone and I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm calling him from the computer lab because I couldn't get a program to work. And that wasn't once or twice or three times. That was many different times. I thought there were times when I was going to flunk. But um, miraculously, I graduated from college with a computer science degree and economics degree. And there I was, 22 years old, ready to take on the world as a new professional. I had no idea what I was doing. Who am I kidding? All I knew was that I had to put one foot in front of the other and that I wanted to become a professional, independent woman. By then, I also had my eyes set on becoming a leader. And so I did a few things that I want to share with you. The first thing was to anchor in my purpose. I had this fire in my belly. Failure was not an option, and I knew that I wanted to succeed. But there was something else that I had that carried me through high school, carried me through college, and that it was going to carry me through my professional career. And that was knowing that I had potential. And I don't know about you, but do you feel in your cells that you have potential, that you can do more, that you could be achieving more, that you could be contributing more and adding more value? I had that. And even though I had an accent, I knew that I wanted to be in a, in a position to contribute at a higher level, which is why I set my eyes on becoming a leader. And I went, started to go to night school. So while I was working full-time, I was going to school at night to get my MBA. I continued to work at night to get my master's in computer science and ultimately to get my PhD in information systems in 2009. My son by then was two and a half years old when I graduated with my PhD. So I want to tell you a brief story about my PhD because talk about resilience. Seven years into getting my PhD, by the way, it took me 10. Seven years into it, my dissertation committee fell apart. And I was faced with the decision to start from scratch, change my topic, do a new state-of-the-art paper, do more research. It was a disaster. I was doomed to either fail and stop my PhD seven years into it or start from scratch. 
at that point, and this is another factor that I want to bring up to you that has helped me be resilient throughout my entire career, is that I asked for help. So I went to my friend, Karen Hare, and I asked her, Karen, this is what's happening. Do you know what I can do? What can you advise me? And she said, you know what? Let me speak to Dr. Fadi Deek. He's my advisor. He's my chair. And she did. And Dr. Fadi Deek helped me by saying, Ginny, don't worry. Let's talk about this. Let's make it work. He then was able to get Dr. Alok Chakrabarty to be his co-chair. And between the two of them, they carry me for the next three years until I finished my dissertation. And that's how I was able to complete it and not start from scratch. So I want to say to you that part of owning your career with resilience is about knowing when we have reached the end of the road for our skill sets and capabilities, and it's time to ask for help and support. And I've used that throughout my entire career. For 30 years in industry, I built relationships. I volunteered for leadership roles. I was the chair of the Hispanic Heritage Month at my first company at Prudential for four consecutive years. I raised my hand to add value. I networked with my peers through volleyball, through base softball, through this running, running club that we had. I looked for ways to insert myself in groups where I felt that I felt were aligned with my values and that would help me to build relationships. I knew my unique value proposition. I knew that I wanted to add value. I knew that I was smart. I knew that I wanted to continue to grow. I love to solve problems. So I created a career around solving problems. I was a project manager most of my career. I began as a programmer, and then I realized, wait a minute, I love interacting with people, communicating with people, uh, connecting people. And so I became a project manager in technology, and that was most of my career. And then I ascended through the ranks from manager to director, and I held multiple director roles. But my director roles didn't come from me applying to the job. It came from my mentors and my sponsors, who, who were my managers, recognizing my value and saying, Jenny, I want you to run this. I want you to take the initiative. I want you to build a team. And that's, my friends, how we build our career with personal resilience. We build relationships first and foremost. We ask for help. We know our value and we anchor in our potential and our purpose. So that's what I wanted to share with you and also remind you that I had setbacks throughout all of it. Three years ago, I was faced with a decision to either continue working in the corporate world or start my own business. Before that, I had my father passed away in 2002 when he was diagnosed with cancer. He was sick for three months. And during those three months, I was still working full time. I had to manage my team, deliver, and I had to take care of my father and my family. So how I did that was by communicating. I asked my manager for help and he said, do what you have to do. And I will never uh, forget that experience in my life was really tough. When a couple of years later, my brother Sandy got also um, suffered a stroke 
and he became paralyzed on the right side, hand side of his, of his body. That was a major setback for our family in my career. I had to take it all in, reel it all in, and help my family during that really, really rough time. And then later, in 2009, I filed for divorce. That took four years to complete. I was working full time. My son was three and a half years old. I was commuting almost four hours a day. And it took us going through courts and all kinds of rigmarole to get over that phase. And that was an extremely difficult part of my life. As a result of that, I had to make the decision to move full time to North Jersey where I live now. And that wasn't easy, right? Because I had to now reinvent myself, leave the world that I knew for 26 years in corporate to start my own business. Talk about resilience in terms of, I don't know anything about running a business. I had to take care of sales, marketing. I needed to learn how to build a sales funnel, how to brand myself, how to use my skill sets from 26 years to now help professionals transition in their careers, to help leaders develop, to become a motivational speaker. I had never spoken professionally and gotten paid to do that. Now that was part of my value proposition. And I did that because I understood that my purpose now is to populate the world with great leaders, to help my, to reach my potential, to re help my son reach his potential, who's now 12 years old, and to help my clients reach theirs. So things are not going to be a walk in the park. The question is not whether we're going to face obstacles in our careers. The question is, when are we going to face those obstacles? And what I'm hoping to teach you today or to remind you about today is that when we have the right mindset, when we know our value and what we bring to the table, and when we execute, when we put what we know, our knowledge into action, that's how we own our career with personal resilience. So I'm sharing with you my golden nuggets, and I invite you to take what you learned today and combine it with what you already know that works for you and create something even more magnificent. But the best I can do is to share with you my experience, my knowledge from my research, and what I've seen has worked for me and worked for so many other people in building a successful career. So if you're ready, let's get started. All right, so before we go any further, I see many of you are leaving comments for me, so I'm gonna look in the chat right now. Hello, everybody, look at you. Damaris is here, Lori's here, Lawrence, that's excellent. Thank you so much, everyone. Well, now it's time to set your intention for this training. I know you took 60 minutes out of your schedule to be with here today. So tell me in the comments, why are you here? What do you want to achieve? And that's another tool that I'm going to give you as it relates to building your career and owning your career. And that is to set your intention. If we don't set our intention for what we want, we will be just like a feather floating in the air. And I'm inviting you not to let that happen. So today, type in the comments a one if you're here to gain resources to look for a new job, type in a two if you're looking to identify ways to improve your career and income, a three 
if you're simply looking to stay motivated, which is amazing, and to also stay engaged, or if it's something else. So let us know in the comments what you are here, what, what is your intention? And use this little tool every single day when you wake up and ask yourself, what are my top, the top three things that I want to do today? And then ask yourself the second question, what do I need to, to accomplish that? What resources do I need? All right. And how do I want to show up? That is a big, big one that is going to have a major impact in your life, in your career, and in your relationships. All right. So all of what we're going to learn today is going to help you to develop your emotional intelligence. Look, if you went to NJIT or if you're going to NJIT now, we know you're smart. All of us are smart. But mostly that speaks to our IQ, our intelligence quotient. There is a difference between IQ and EQ, your emotional quotient. As you own your career with personal, with personal resilience, I am going to challenge you from this day forward to proactively work on your emotional intelligence. And I'm going to share the four components quickly. The first one is self-awareness. That is your ability to monitor your emotions, sense what's happening inside of you. The second one is self-management. Once you notice that you're feeling angry, upset, anxious, whatever the case may be, that you're able to self-manage, which means that you choose how you want to respond to the situation, to the event, to the person versus reacting. That's self-management. The third component of your emotional intelligence is social awareness. That's your ability to read a room. When you walk into a room and you're networking and you look around, you go to meet someone, meet your team, meet with your manager, meet with your team at school. You can sense the mood, the vibes. That's your social awareness. And then you use that mood and your vibe to show up in a way that will serve your audience. And finally, when you have self-awareness, monitor your emotions, when you're able to manage your and respond in a way that's constructive, when you are able to read other people, you then have the ability to build powerful and healthy relationships. And that's relationship management. So this entire training is going to increase your self-awareness, which will help you self-manage. It will also then notice in other people, wow, if Ginny has a unique value proposition, if I have one, that means somebody else does too. How are they showing up? What is happening with them? And then let's use all of that information to build relationships. So let's get started with our first segment. And are you ready? Type a yes in the comments if you are ready to go, because I know I am. I see a lot of twos, twos and threes. Excellent. Thank you very much, everybody, for participating. All right, so let's talk about mindset, what it means to develop a, a growth mindset, and the difference between a growth and a fixed mindset. So let's dive right in. And at the end of each segment, I'm going to ask you for your golden nuggets, for your 
takeaways. So as you watch this presentation, I want you to take notes. I want you to jot down the things that are really meaningful to you. And at the end, when I ask you, I want you to tell me what was your takeaway. All right. So I see everybody's ready to go. Excellent. Okay. So I don't know what happened to my slide, but that's okay. It didn't look like this before. We're going to roll with the punches. So what is a mindset is what we're going to talk about and how can we develop a growth mindset? All right. So for some reason, my slide is not working properly. So according to the Neuro Linguistic Institute, I'm sorry, the Neuro Leadership Institute, a mindset is ways, ways of thinking about the goals that you pursue in your business and personal life. Your mindset determines what kinds of information you focus on, how your brain handles errors and mistakes, and how you personally interpret successes and failures. And I'm going to give you some examples. All right. So I'm going to have to wear my glasses because the slides are completely, um, they're not working properly. So I'm going to stop for a second because I don't want to give you a bad experience. And I'm going to go back to the slides. I'm going to start playing them again and see if that fixes the problem. We're going to troubleshoot right on the spot. All right. There we go. We fixed the problem. All right. That's the power of being a technologist, right? Being in the STEM field. We don't quit. We go back. We choose how to respond. Self-management. <laughs> that was a beautiful example. All right. So what is a mindset? Ways of thinking about the goals you pursue in your personal life and in your business. And it determines what kinds of information you focus on, as I said before, how your brain handles errors and mistakes and how you interpret successes and failures. So people with a growth mindset believe that skills and abilities can improve. So do you believe, type in the comments, do you believe that people's abilities can improve? Well, I have many examples. I'm sure you do too. I didn't learn, I didn't know how to ride a bike. I learned how to ride a bike. I didn't know how to run my own business. I learned how to run my own business, how to market, how to create a sales funnel, how to brand myself. Um, I didn't know how to speak publicly until I joined Toastmasters. And I learned how to put together a presentation, how to give a speech, how to use my superpower of connecting with people to stand up and be able to speak my mind and share my opinion and share um, a teaching with them. So tell me right now, do you believe you have a growth mindset? Do you believe that skills and abilities can improve? People that have a growth mindset see potential in themselves and in other people. They know that they can go from where they are now and become somebody else, meaning become a better version of who they are. They also see change as a good challenge. Everything is changing constantly. They say that the change is the only constant if we're able to pivot, to tweak, and continue to change with the changes, we're going to be more resilient in owning our own careers. When there is a reorg, we're going to look for what's a better and a good way out of this. 
Is this maybe an opportunity for me to move to a different department or maybe, maybe even switch industries? Every single time you're faced with a challenge, a growth mindset person looks for constructive ways, constructive action, and they look for opportunities to learn. This happened to me. How can I learn from this situation? I got divorced. How can I learn from, from how I showed up? So how I chose my partner, how I, what my expectations were, what can I learn from this so that when I do it again, I notice I'm going to do it again, right? I'm not going to quit. So that's another thing that happens when you have a growth mindset. You look for ways around problems. You don't quit. On the opposite end of the spectrum, when you have a fixed mindset, you believe that talent and intelligence can be changed. And I'm sure you've heard people say something like this. You know, this is who I am. That implies that I'm not changing. All right. So if you happen to use that phrase, just notice that that is a fixed mindset. And I will challenge you in a, in a, in a couple of minutes because we don't always have a growth mindset or always have a fixed mindset. We could have a mixed mindset. But people with a fixed mindset experience highly negative emotions. When you see change as a threat, which is one of the characteristics of a fixed mindset, when things are changing around you, you panic. This pandemic, of course, this is major, right? There's fear not only about your health, but your loved ones. I get that. So when things are not that dire, even when things are much smaller than this, we panic. We go into this frenzy. And as a result, we feel all these negative emotions, anxiety, worry, right? The threat, the um, frustration. And what happens when we have all these negative emotions happening is that most of our mental capacity, our bandwidth, is being utilized with those negative emotions. And as a result, we are learning at a slower pace. So if you're noticing that you're having trouble taking the lesson that you're reading and you have to read it over and over again, if you find yourself having trouble at work concentrating and you're not able to really learn things as quickly as you desire, notice how you are feeling. Most likely you're feeling horrible. You, you have a lot of negative emotions and you're spending a lot of time processing those emotions, which is slowing you down. The last thing that I'm going to say about a fixed mindset is that when you have one, you judge and evaluate performance as a test of your competence and worth. So if you do something and you quote unquote fail, you say, ah, instead of saying, wow, I really need to tweak this and try something different. You say, I am horrible. I suck. And guess what you're going to do? You're not going to try it again. And if you don't try it again, you're not going to get better. And if you don't try things again, are you going to be innovative? Are you going to take risks? And are you going to be somebody who in your career take calculated risks? This is the importance of developing a growth mindset and evolving out of a fixed mindset. So for your homework, I'm going to invite you to explore what is my mindset as it relates to my relationships, my career and my business, my health and my fitness, my finances. What about my personal development? What's my mindset around that? And when it comes to fun and recreation, when you go through this, it's going to boost your emotional intelligence because your self-awareness is going to go through the roof, right? And most importantly, you're going to be able to identify, wow, I really have a fixed mindset around my relationships. Like for me, 
it, it took me 10 years to get out of this fixed mindset around, there's nobody out there for me. There's no way that I'm going to be in a, in a healthy relationship. And guess what? A year ago, I really began to work on my mindset around my relationship. I hire a coach, Anne-Marie Duchenne, and she's been helping me to develop a growth mindset around my relationships, even though I'm a coach, because a coach needs coaches too. So I now I'm in a really good relationship and I am looking forward to what the future has to hold. In my career, I've always had a growth mindset. Nothing can stop me. I am unstoppable. I will overcome a language barrier, cultural barrier. I will overcome the ceiling, right? The, the glass ceiling, the cement ceiling, as I called it. How did I do that? I started my own business. I can't be promoted to, to run a company. Well, I'm going to start my own company. So notice how you have a fixed mindset in some areas and how you have a growth mindset in other areas. And if that mindset is fixed in your career, look for support. Reach out to me. I'll tell you how to reach me later. Look for anyone who can help you, any mentors that can support you, any coaches that can support you in developing a growth mindset in the area that you are looking to grow in. Because unless we have the right mindset, it's not going to work. Now, notice that I started by talking about mindset, but before that, I spoke about purpose. So what most of us are doing right now in our careers is we're focused on this portion of our resources. This is our intellect, our head. And I'm inviting you today as your coach and challenging you to begin to use your head, of course, and also this part, which is your heart. This, your body has a wealth and a wealth of wisdom and resources that we have not tapped into. And it's okay. I'm not judging. I'm saying that it really took me to integrate my entire mind, body, and spirit and soul to truly connect with my personal power at that level and own my career in the way that I'm owning it right now. All right. So to leave you with this quote, I think will be very significant. And this is how I'm going to wrap up segment number one on developing your growth mindset. And this is a quote by one of my peer coaches, Cynthia Ocelli. And it's the analogy of a seed that's going to grow and blossom into a tree and the difference between a growth and fixed mindset. And the quote goes like this, for a seed to achieve its greatest expression, it must come completely undone. The shell cracks, the insights come out, and everything changes. To someone who doesn't understand growth, it would look like complete destruction. As we are going through this really difficult time right now, globally, this isn't personal, right? We're all in the same boat. As you look at your situation, maybe you lost your job. Maybe your spouse or your partner lost their job. Worse, maybe you lost someone you loved. Maybe you find yourself leaving, graduating soon, and faced with this new normal, as they're calling it. You may be asking yourself, what is happening? Is this, is this 
my beginning? Is this my end? And I'm inviting you as your coach today to look for the golden nuggets in all of this. How can I grow? What can I learn from this? What are the opportunities right in front of me? And how can I take advantage of those opportunities? What resources do I need to help me take advantage of those opportunities and to go after those opportunities fearlessly, believing in your potential, anchored in your purpose, which is what we're going to do next. We're going to help you identify your purpose. So if you're ready, type yes in the chat. All right. So tell me before we move on to the next segment, we talked about developing a growth mindset. What was your biggest takeaway? And I'm going to take a peek at the comments. What was your biggest takeaway from this segment on developing a growth mindset? Type that in the, in the comments for me. And let's dive into the second one, which is how to assess your unique value and strengths. Look, as I mentioned, we only have 60 minutes together total. So I know we're not going to go through all of this, but I want to just pike your interest. I want to plant a seed and I want um, to give you the tools that you can use after you leave here to work on this for yourself. So in the context of assessing your unique value and owning your career, I'm going to show you how to assess your unique value proposition how to conduct a SWOT analysis around the goals that you have for your career and how to connect and identify your centers of influence. So I talked about in my stories how I was able to anchor in my value. I knew what I brought. I knew that I had so much to offer my employers when I started my career. If anything, I had to offer the fact that I am a quick learner, as they say, I'm a quick study. I love to learn. I'm curious and I want to help as much as possible. That was a superpower that no one was going to take away from me, no matter what the situation was. So when you identify a unique value proposition, here are some of the benefits. And this is why I'm inviting you to work on identifying a unique value proposition. If you ever heard me speak, you've seen this before because to me, this is foundational. It's how I start all of my coaching engagements. Before I work on a resume with a client, before I work on a strategizing on their careers and how they can transition from where they are to where they want to be, before I engage with an executive around developing their teams, I always anchor in what is your unique value proposition. For one, is going to help boost your confidence. Knowing that you are uniquely positioned to offer your unique value proposition is going to absolutely boost your confidence in the marketplace and in your life, in your relationships. It's also going to help you position yourself powerfully because when you see opportunities where you can use and leverage your unique value proposition, you're going to raise your hand. Similarly, when you are faced with situations where somebody's offering you a job, a promotion, a different role, and you make the assessment and realize, wait a minute, this is not in my wheelhouse. 
This is in leverage my unique value proposition. You're going to keep your hand down. And as a result, you're going to add the most value because you're not going to take something that you're not going to thrive or excel in. It doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, keep your hand down if there's a chance for growth. There's a difference. But to use your unique value proposition, you'll be able to make life decisions and career decisions knowing this information. And as you know it, you'll be able to promote your personal brand. And if some people think, I don't have a personal brand. I have news for you. We all have a personal brand, whether we are aware of it or not. So I'm developing a course right now called Your Personal Branding Masterclass, where I'm going to help my students to develop their personal brand and to generate a compelling resume and LinkedIn profile that reflects the unique value proposition. So you will be able to promote yourself with your network and when you're uh, making introductions and interacting with your circle and sphere of influence using your unique value proposition. So that's why this is important. So type in the comments anything that sticks to you about the benefits of identifying your unique value proposition. Excellent. So what are what is your unique value proposition? Your UVP, as I'm going to call it from this point forward, is a combination of three components. The first one is the one that you've already heard me mention multiple times, is your purpose, your big why. The reason why you are waking up every single morning and going to work or going to school, whatever it is that you do, right? This is your why. This is what's important and meaningful to you. The second component is your superpowers. And this is basically, these are your abilities, your attributes, your competencies, the things that you're really good at, the things that make you special, and things that you may actually not realize you have because you do them so well that you believe everybody else has the same superpowers. And that is why I'll tell you when you are trying to assess what your superpowers are, I want you to ask your friends. What are my superpowers? And let them tell you. You will be surprised at what you hear. The third component of your unique value proposition, your UVP, is your marketable skills. And that's the easiest one. So for the next few slides, I'm going to highlight for you how to identify your purpose, your superpowers, and your marketable skills. And here's how you do it. The first question to ask yourself to discover your why is this. Why do you want to be successful in life? If you don't have somebody in your house to do this with, I suggest that you actually pull out your recorder on your phone and that you ask yourself these questions and then answer the questions. And later, listen back. If you have somebody in your, in your house or in your, you know, wherever you are, a peer, a family member, tell them to coach you and simply ask you the questions without judgment not to tell you whether it's a right answer or wrong answer, simply listen and to help you do this exercise. The second question would be, once you answer, why do you want to be successful in life? Is to ask the same next question six more times. Why is that important to you? Answer the question. Ask again, why is that important to you? All you're doing is you're going from the superficial, the things that really obvious to a much deeper, deeper, deeper level. The seventh answer of why is that important to you is your why. 
And if you coach with me through NJIT or outside, you know your why. And I can tell you that it makes a world of difference to look at your career from a place of purpose versus not even knowing what makes you tick. The next one is extracting your superpowers. And to do that is pretty straightforward. You make a list of the things that you're great at. What makes you special and what brings you joy? And the reason what, what brings you joy is part of your superpowers is that when we are doing something that brings us joy, we thrive in it. And that's why it becomes part of your superpowers. For example, when I was starting my own business and I looked at what am I going to offer? What am I passionate about? What do I enjoy? I enjoy developing leaders because I know that people spend eight plus hours a day at work. And if you have a horrible manager, which I think we all have at this point, unless you are brand new to the, to the job market, it is horrendous to go to work, to work for someone who is a poor manager, a poor leader. So I wanted to populate the world with great leaders. And then when I thought about what are my superpowers, what do I enjoy? I so enjoy coaching people, helping people to solve problems. And that's what a coach does. And I also love connecting with people. I love to travel. So when I do my business, I actually travel. So I've incorporated the things that bring me joy, like travel, connecting with people, coaching, speaking. I'm an author. I, I never thought that I would be an author. And I'm the number one best-selling author of a book called Fearless Women at Work. Because those are the things that bring me joy. So when I combined all of that, that is what makes me special, right? That's those combination of those things is, is what makes me special. Today, speaking with you, please, there's nothing that I love more than connecting with my audiences and to be able to share my golden nuggets with them. And because this brings me joy, I can do it in a way that's powerful. And if one person is impacted by the message that I'm sharing today, my job is done. Doesn't mean that I have to be perfect. Doesn't mean that everybody has to like me. That's not really why I'm here. I'm here to contribute to my audience in the best way that I can. So that's another thing that I want to invite you to do is when you are coming at your activities, at, at your career, from a place of contribution, and adding value, that energy that goes with that is going to come through. And the money, the wealth, the, the physical wealth is going to follow. But what's most important is going to be the emotional and spiritual wealth that you're going to experience when you go at your career from that perspective. All right. The last part is pinpointing your marketable skills. And that's the third component of your unique value proposition. So we talked about your why, your, your superpowers, and now your marketable skills is where you look at how do I make money? So when I decided to start my own business, it would have been great, right? If I had chosen to work out, then I would have had to figure out how do I make money working out? I could have become a fitness instructor. I'm all about fitness, mind, body, and soul, right? So my body, I always take care of my body. What I eat, uh, when I train, when I exercise, that I'm active. Why? Because my why is that I want to be around for my son. I want to be around for myself so that I can enjoy the most of life. I want to travel and I want to do that with vitality and energy. I want to show up to my engagements with energy from my clients. 
So I could have become a fitness instructor if I wanted to do that for a living and earn money doing that. That wasn't quite my passion. I like to do it as a hobby, not so much as a full-time profession. So what are your marketable skills? These are the things that are on your resume, things you've done in the past, things that you do now. And if you are a student who is looking to start your career, your marketable skills would be those things for which you're going to school. And it's those things that you're honing and learning and developing right now. So if you are a student and you're looking to show your marketable skills in the marketplace, especially at this time, I would suggest that you come up, become creative, okay? And consider an internship. And if those are hard to find, consider working with your professor on a project where you would take a business problem and come up with a prototype to a solution. So when you go sit with potential employers, you can showcase your school project as a prototype that you worked on to let them know what your marketable skills are, that you are a problem solver, that you are creative, that you are dedicated, and that you organized. Whatever the case may be, those are all marketable skills. You, even when you are teaming up with your classmates to, to work on a project and you're able to speak to that during the interview, you're able to show that you are potentially a project manager and a problem solver and a collaborator and a team player, which are all marketable skills. And by the way, you cannot own your career with personal resilience without having excellent communication skills. So if you need to improve, which we all do, trust me, your communication skills, I highly recommend that during this time when we are working from home and we have some less commuting time and more, quote unquote, free time, that you use that time to develop your communication skills in any way possible, whether it's listening, which is the first communication skill, whether it's presenting, public speaking, putting power, powerful, uh, putting together powerful presentations, whatever the case may be, go to LinkedIn Learning, lynda.com, whatever you have accessible to you, YouTube, free videos, and look for ways to improve your communication skills. That would make you extremely marketable. Okay, And it will show through when you are sitting with a potential employer and uh, having an interview or having a, a presenting in front of your group. So those are the three points. So right now in the comments, please let me know what you got from your unique value proposition. Um, yes, we're going to have the presentation available to all of you so that you can have uh, you can definitely ask for, um, you know, ask questions and you will have the homework. So as we work on your unique value proposition, now you know, you will know how you uniquely contribute and how you have those three things, your why, your superpowers, and your marketable skills combined. No one in the world is going to have the combination of those three components. So now own it, share it, and I'll tell you how in a little bit. When it comes to your career goals, what are your career goals? So let's get clear on that because I'm going to teach you how to use a SWOT analysis. It's a tool that we normally use in business. So type in the chat if you've ever used a SWOT analysis before. Let me know in the comments, have you ever used a SWOT analysis? 
Most of us have used it to solve a work problem or maybe even in school. I'm going to teach you how to use this tool in your life. And this is how we do it. Number one, you choose a career goal. So I'm going to give you two examples. One of the goals is to secure a role as a software engineer. So I'm assuming that you're a student and you're looking to get a job in the marketplace. The second one is you want to get promoted. You've been doing your job for five years and you're ready to move on. You feel that you have the right skill set for that next level and you want to get promoted. So those two are the examples we're going to use in the SWOT analysis. So how do we use it? All right. So with those goals in mind, this is how we run a SWOT analysis and how we align to find out what do I need to do to achieve that goal? So the first question is, what are my strengths around that goal? If I want to become a software engineer, what are my strengths? So in that example, you could say, hey, I am studying software engineering. That is my major. I am doing projects around it. I'm learning how to design and develop software. That's my strength. You can also say that you are a hard worker, that you are organized. Those are all strengths around becoming a software engineer. And do the same thing if, you're, if your goal is to get a promotion. What are your strengths? I'm an expert in this. I know these technologies. I'm good at leading. I'm good at managing people. I'm, a, you know, I'm collaborative. Those will all be strengths. The next question would be, what are your weaknesses? What areas do you need to improve to become a software engineer or to get promoted? I just mentioned communication. Maybe in both cases, you need to improve your communication skills. Let's get to work. We don't have time. The clock is ticking. We need to be intentional about owning our career. And this is how we do it. We don't learn and sit back. We learn and we apply what we learn. The next question is, what are your opportunities? What opportunities are right in front of me? And I already mentioned some. If you want to be a software engineer and you're still in college, you can pair up with your professors, with your peers, and take the opportunity to develop a prototype solving a particular business problem. That's an opportunity. If you are working full time, an opportunity to get promoted is to volunteer. Volunteer to lead initiatives, to lead projects. Let them see your skill set. I've always heard this while I was working full time. You always get promoted to do the job that you are already doing. So if you're waiting for the promotion to start being a leader, to start taking, being proactive, to be collaborative, to be a team player, you will never going to get promoted because people want certainty. They want proof that you are ready for that level. And the only way that you show them that proof is by doing it. So start doing what you want to become and you will be the organic choice because you're already doing the job. So those will be your opportunities. And last, identify your threats. These would be any obstacles that could get in the way of the goal that you want. If you're a student, what would be an obstacle that will prevent you from becoming a software engineer? Well, the number one would be that you actually quit, right? That you flunk out of school. And even that's arguable because you could say, well, you could still get a job 
right? If somebody's not looking for a college degree, is it going to be more difficult? Of course. But it's possible, right? So that could be an obstacle. Another obstacle could be procrastination. You know, I know that I have to work on my resume. I need to update it. It's three years old. It's four years old. I haven't touched it. It's not impactful. It's not compelling. And I just don't want to do it. That's procrastination. That's another threat. So look for the things that would create obstacles for you in achieving your goal. What we're going to do in a few minutes is I'm going to show you how to take the activities, how to take what you will learn from this analysis, your strengths and your opportunities, and look for ways to leverage those strengths and opportunities by creating actionable steps, actionable activities that you can engage to leverage them. Similarly, I'm going to show you how to take what you learn from your weaknesses and your areas to improve and from your threats and come up with activities to help you mitigate or lower the risk of those weaknesses and threats and put all of that into your massive action plan, all right? So that's what we're doing here. And speaking of owning your career with personal resilience, relationships, my friends, are everything. There was a study conducted by Robert Waldinger. He's a psychiatrist. He did a study. It was this longitudinal study done by uh, with Harvard alumni. And what they did was they followed the alumni for 75 years to figure out at the end what makes for a happy life, a happy, successful life. And the study concluded that what makes for a successful, happy life is not the yachts, or the houses or real estate that you own or the amount of money that you have stocked away in the bank, it was relationships. So how do you identify your centers of influence and the most meaningful relationships in your life and in your career and intentionally develop those relationships across the board and contribute to them? Notice I've used the word contribution throughout this presentation. When we are taking, 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 sure, we can benefit, sure. Absolutely, we can benefit. But life becomes very meaningful when we use our strengths, our unique value proposition to contribute to others. Because contribution is the highest of the human needs. That's when we take what we have learned, what we've amassed, and we share it with the world. That's why you see Oprah Winfrey, Tony Robbins, Richard Branson, all these people that have all this money in the world giving back. And you're like, why don't they just sit back and relax and go to the beach and, you know, enjoy a Mai Tai? Why are they working so hard? Because to have, find meaning in life, contribution is a short circuit <laughs> to find meaning in life. And that's why they're doing it. And finally, as you build relationships, and I'll show you, give you some examples of how you can do that, you're going to be able to spread the word about what you want in your career, how you contribute, which means the unique value proposition, and in the process, you're going to become infinitely abundant, physically, your income, and also emotionally and spiritually. 
So how do you identify and connect with your centers of influence? Here's your diagram, and this is going to be your homework. Just like the SWAT's going to be in your homework and all the other exercises that we spoke about. So put yourself in the middle of this graph. If you are a student, who are your centers of influence right now? I would say to you that it's your peers. Every single person that you go to school with is in your centers of influence. Build relationships with them. Most of us are transactional. We only go to people when we need something. And then when we go to them, it feels yucky for them because you never approached them before. And you're approaching them because you need something. What if you become genuinely interested in your peers, in their background, what they are studying, what their hobbies are, what makes them tick? And you may find that you have alignment with them, that you share values with them. Those are going to be the people that go into the world, into the marketplace, and they'll be able to say, hey, I know Michael, and I know he's really good at this. And my company has an opening. I think Michael will be perfect for that. Likewise, they're going to do the same. So building your relationship with your peers, staying connected to your alumni community is going to be extremely, incredibly helpful and valuable to you. So your peers, your professors also are a wealth of resources from advice to experience to connecting you with other people, other alumni that may have similar interests to you. They're a wealth of knowledge. Tap into your professors and your the faculty at NGIT. Also, your mentors. Develop organic mentors. Don't ask people, would you be my mentor? Because I will run the other way if you approach me and say, Ginny, will you be my mentor? But if you ask me for 10 minutes of my time and say, Ginny, I would love to pick your brain or I would like to hear your advice on this topic. Do you have 10, 10 free minutes to share with me? Absolutely. I can give anybody 10 minutes. You ask me to be your mentor, I'm going to run for the hills. My plate is full. So I say this with love and compassion because we think that these mentors and sponsors have to be assigned to us and it has to be official. And I'm sharing, you, sharing with you from experience, they don't have to be. The organic mentors and sponsors are the best. And we develop them by developing relationships. And I'll sh show you uh, how else to do that. If you're working professionally, the same thing applies. Build relationships with your peers, with your managers, people at their level. Because if you're going to get promoted, people in their sphere, your manager and your manager's peers are going to have an opinion as to whether or not you deserve that promotion. And you want to build that relationship with your direct reports. If you're not likable, if people don't like to work for you, if they think that you are a tough person or that you are a you know, very difficult person to work with, guess what? You're not going to get promoted because they're not going to give you more people to report into you and to make miserable. So your direct reports and asking for feedback is going to be extremely important to you if you're looking to grow in your career. It's going to be important for all of us to ask for feedback because we can't see ourselves sometimes, right? We have that self-awareness sometimes is a little short-sighted. When we ask for feedback, people can tell what they see. And then we have a new perspective. And then we can take proactive action with our growth mindset that we're developing, right? And then there's other stakeholders like clients. You can have vendors in there. You can have affiliates if you're running your own business. And these are all stakeholders in your sphere of influence. So how do you build relationships with them? 
it's important for you to get clear who is in my centers of influence. So take that graph that I showed you before. Identify names of people that fit into all of those different bubbles. And then develop a relationship plan. This is how you are planning to develop a relationship with them. For one, invite them to coffee. Now, we can do live coffees right now, but let's do cyber coffees. Contribute to them. Get curious. Do your research. If I'm going to collect with Mike, with Michael, I'm going to look at his LinkedIn profile. I'm going to see what he's been posting lately, what he's been liking lately. Then it becomes really easy to connect with Michael because all I have to do is say, hey, Michael, I saw that article that you posted. That was, was really interesting. I was wondering, do you have 10 minutes to connect? I would love to get you advice on this. I'm available this date, this date, and this date. If that doesn't work for you, let me know. I'm flexible. Make it as easy as possible for the person to connect with you by giving them choices. And finally, follow up. If you reach out to somebody and they don't respond, don't give up. It's right. Don't give up. They may have gotten your email and it went to the bottom of the email. Okay. So be proactive. Follow up. All right. Now the last segment, write down before we move on and tell me what was your takeaway when it comes to this piece, assessing your unique value and strengths. What did you take away from the presentation so far? All right. So let me know in the comments. And I know we are over time and I'm going to do my best to move through the rest of this segment while still giving you value. So executing your personalized action plan is where it's at. This is where the magic happens. If you leave this presentation today and you do nothing, no judgment, it's okay. You spend this hour and 15 minutes with us, hour and 20 minutes, and then you're going to go about your business. That's okay too. However, if you want to get the most benefit from this presentation and really own your career starting with today, I suggest that you take action. So I'm going to show you briefly how to create your action plan and how to stay focused. There's going to be two layers to creating your action plan. The first layer is, as I mentioned before, take your strengths and your opportunities and figure out what activities can I do to leverage those. Then take your weaknesses and your threats, any obstacles that you see in, in, the for, in, in the future, and create activities to lower those or remove them. And those will give you activities for your 12-month action plan. The second run is going to be adding your what, when, who, and how. What am I going to do to achieve this goal? When am I going to do it by so that I, it's time-bound? Who can I get support from and how am I going to do it in terms of how am I going to prioritize it? The next step is why is this goal important to me? Notice throughout my entire career, I mentioned to you how I anchored every single one of those chapters in my life and my career on a purpose. When you attach an emotion to why you're doing something, it gives you the fuel to see it through. So when you ask yourself, how will I feel when I achieve this goal? Like for me, if I knew that when I learned English, oh my goodness, the sky will be the limit for me. What about how would I feel if 
I didn't achieve that. If I didn't learn how to speak English, I would have felt defeated. I would have felt like I had no future, that I, you know, that my purpose wasn't going to be fulfilled. So that's what I mean by anchor in your purpose. One is your compelling future, how you would feel when you achieve it. And one is your painful future, how you will feel if you don't. And then add all that into your massive action plan. I know that we don't have 24 hours you know, of, of productivity during the day. We all have the same amount of hours, but what we focus on is gonna make the big difference. And that's why I wanna help you stay focused, all right? So with all the stuff that's being thrown at us, we have work, we have families, we have new changes happening all the time. How do we stay focused? We do it by looking at what's important and what we can control. The news, I can't control the news and what's happening in the news. Absolutely not. So every morning I focus on what are three things that are important to me today that I'm going to accomplish. And that goes above and beyond just doing things, but also being, like being present for my son and being available to him and being helpful to my friends and being connected to them. Those are things that are important to me too. So I'm going to ask you, what's important to you? What can you control? That's where you focus, the intersection of those two questions. And identify what could get in the way. If you procrastinate, that would be a roadblock. Identify those roadblocks and create a backup plan so you can help yourself get through those roadblocks. Like if you procrastinate, share your goal and your plan and your time frame with a buddy, with your partner, with your spouse. So they can help you stay accountable. That's how we stay focused. So a quick recap. You saw we started with discussing how to own our career with personal resilience in these turbulent times. And to do that, I'm recommending that you focus on developing a growth mindset, assessing your unique value and your strengths so you know how to position yourself in your life, with your relationships, in your career powerfully. And finally, that you take action and you be very intentional about how you spend your, your precious resources that are always being pulled right from you and execute on your plan, that intentional plan that's going to lead you towards your compelling future. So it's time to execute. Here's what I'm going to give you. Commit to your personal development developing your growth mindset. Find out what are the areas that you have a fixed mindset and where you have a growth mindset and look for help where you need to develop a growth mindset. I can tell you as a coach, it's very hard to give yourself, a, it's very tough to give yourself a good haircut, okay? So even as a coach, I need coaches to help me get through the obstacles that I can work through myself. And I don't have the rest of my life to figure it out. I want to figure it out as soon as possible so that I can get the most benefit from my life and my career and reach my potential quicker rather than later and benefit financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Tap into your centers of influence. Understand who they are and how to connect with them. Take massive action. Don't wait around for things to happen to you. Don't wait for people to give you the answers. Look for the answers, create the opportunities, and stay focused. 
there's so much noise happening around us. My goodness, we could get distracted at all the shiny objects coming at us. Stay focused on what's important to you, what matters, whether it's your relationships, your career, your financial health, whatever the case may be, get intentional and look for the obstacles. They're going to be there and plan to get over them. Use the resources that we're making available to you. Go to my website at executivebound.com slash resources. There's a, two assessments there that I'm inviting you to take. The Myers-Briggs is there and the DISC assessment. Those two will help increase your self-awareness, help to surface your strengths and so you can leverage them in your career. And finally, reach out for support at info at executivebound.com. As you work on these exercises, you run into any issues, reach out to me. We are all here to support you. Remember, you are not alone. Check in with yourself. Tap into what is happening every day. Notice where you are in what space. If you're feeling a lot of negative emotions, I guarantee you're having a lot of negative thoughts. If you're having a lot of negative thoughts, one quick tool I'm going to give you is this. The minute you catch yourself with a negative thought, replace that thought with a gratitude. Gratitude trumps all negative emotions. Faith, gratitude cannot coexist with fear. And so I invite you to do that. Next is checking with each other. We are a beautiful community here in NJIT. You have peers, you have uh, faculty, you have professors, you have friends that you've made. Check in with each other and support each other through these difficult times. And finally, asking for help is not a sign of, weak, sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. Lean on each other. Ask for help whenever you need it. And that's all that I have for you today. So, Michael, I'm going to invite you to help me field any questions for those folks that are still hanging in there with us. Thanks so much, Dr. Barrow. And I appreciate it. I'm that. excited to take any questions. Okay, folks. So as you heard from Dr. Barrow, there's a variety of different tips that she's offered here today. Um, I want to thank you, by the way, Ginny, for taking the time. Uh, this was an outstanding presentation uh, and certainly the most interactive that we've seen. Um, so folks, I did see a couple questions that had come through, uh, a variety actually. Uh, Ginny, one of the first questions that we received was, how can you put together a specific plan for business with the extra time we've got, uh, meaning essentially we're at home right now, um, yeah. How do you organize yourself to put that plan together? So the, the question is, how do you put a, a, a plan together for business? Is that a, a corporate business or is that your own business? I'm trying to. Uh, it seems to me to be the, the small business mindset. So probably more of an individual business. Okay. So look, by the way, running a business is nothing more challenging that I've ever done in my life. than running my own business. Um, the first thing and, and any entrepreneur will tell you the first thing that you need uh, to start your business is make sure that you have a lot of passion for what you're going to go into business uh, for because if you're running a business because it's going to be profitable but it's not something that you really are connected with on a mul multiple levels that um, desire to make money is going to burn out pretty fast and that's not going to help you go the distance so that's the first suggestion that I would say, make sure that the business that you're planning to start is something that you're truly passionate about, that connects with you on multiple levels, that is connected to your why, your superpowers, and your marketable skills. In other words, look to incorporate the unique value proposition into your business. And then the logistical parts of starting a business, it's almost like 
trivial, right? If you Google how to start a business, it will tell you the, 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 the logisticals of incorporating, creating your business plan, doing your research to make sure that you are doing your competitive analysis, uh, creating your unique value proposition for your business. Like what makes you different from everybody else that's doing the same service or the same product that you are providing so that you can differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself. And then you have to build the mechanisms, the systems behind the product, behind the business that make the business work. So depending on whether it's a service or whether it's a, manu a product that you need to, to create and manufacture, it's very different approaches. But that would be logistically what you would do. So I would say if you are planning to start a business right now because you see this as an opportunity, get clear that this is in your wheelhouse, that you would enjoy getting up, that you will enjoy putting in 16-hour days when you start the business, at least initially, because a lot of us are solopreneurs, which means you're going to be working, waking up with yourself. To, you're going to be your IT department, your legal department, your compliance, your finance department. You're going to be doing it all. And it takes a lot of effort. And unless you're passionate about why you're doing it, you're going to burn out quickly and you're going to waste your time and spend a year or two tinkering really wasting your resources because at the end you, re you really were not passionate about it and you were just like, ah, this isn't worth it. So make sure that you first have a solid foundation for your business. And then secondly, that you get the help and support that you need to get it going, to get it started. I hired coaches when I started my business. I, uh, to write my book, I hired a coach to create my branding. I hired a coach to create my sales funnel. I hired a coach. So I would say if you want to start your business, also make sure that you have something to invest in yourself because you're going to need uh, even your own seed money to get started. And I know people say, don't use your own money. Go, you know, get a loan. I don't know. There's many different uh, schools of thought uh, around how to start your business from a financial standpoint. I started my own business with my own money because I put all the chips on me. I said, if I were to invest in something else, I would put this money in. Instead, I'm going to invest it in myself. And that's what I did. So that's what how what I would do, uh, Michael, as it relates to uh, a new business at this time. Well, I love the concept of investing in yourself. That's something that right. I um, can't hear you, know, you, Michael, for some reason. So sorry about that. So hold on one moment, Jenny. I'm going to see if I can uh, help out here. Um, so uh, our next question is: Given the fact that STEM jobs and careers have ended by industry consolidation so much in the past, outsourcing, offshoring, and so on. Um, is there a way to change your mindset or what are some tips you would use um, so that you're not primarily driven by fear, fear of consolidation, fear of job loss, fear of the world changing so dramatically and you're sort of left on the outside? Well, if you notice what's happened now that we are in this new world is that people, some companies are thriving. Some technology companies are thriving. One example will be Zoom. Look at it, everybody's now on virtual meetings, right? So WebEx, Zoom, anything that has to do with this virtual meetings is off, off, the, off the chain, right, right now. This is a time to get creative. If you are in a STEM career and you sit back and be a consumer, think about what do people need right now? What are people going to need going forward? Like diapers. We need diapers no matter what's happening. We need food no matter what's happening. We need healthcare no matter what, you know, what is happening. All of those fields have a technology aspect to it. So look for industries that are 
high demand, like the graph that I showed you based on the McKinsey report, high demand industries that are very resilient when it comes to these types of fluctuations. And look at the STEM aspect of those industries. They are going to need experts, technologists, scientists, engineers in those different fields. So that's one way to get out of the fear by getting creative and turning the fear into curiosity. And it's easier said than, like you would say, Ginny, that's a lot easier said than done. And I also want to challenge you that perhaps all you needed was just to get this little reframing that instead of fear, what if I just begin to question it? How can I be of use? How can I add value during this really tricky time? And what would be the industries and the types of jobs that I foresee would still be needed in the future? So that's how I would approach that, Michael. That's great. Thank you so much, Jenny. Okay, um, I can't hear you again for some reason. So I'm going to pull this a little bit closer and see if maybe that's a little more helpful. Sorry about that. Sure. That's back. Okay, excellent. Uh, again, apologies for my audio issue. So uh, I think we probably have time for one more question. And this, I think, is a highly relevant one. One of our guests says, what are your recommendations for developing and maintaining relationships when you're an introvert? Uh, and you have a hard time maintaining and establishing long-term relationships. Oh, I love that question. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I love that question because that's one of the reasons why people say they don't build their network. I, I hear it from my clients. They say, Jenny, but I'm an introvert. How do I how do I build my network? How do I, you know, build out my centers of influence? And to that I would say, you don't need to have 100,000 people in your network, right? You don't have to have 20,000 people. I have 20,000 people in my LinkedIn network. All you need is to develop with intention those people in your centers of influence. And how you do that, you can do it in many ways. People do it through networking events, but you can also do it one-on-one, -on -one, right? Most introverts have that I know have issues when it's a group setting, right? It's like, oh my God, how am I going to say? Okay, so you know how I told in the last um, the last question, get curious? That's all you need. If you're an introvert and you want to network, if you, let's say that you want to work, uh, you want to network with me, get curious about the other person. Find out what they're into. Reach out to them and say, hi, Ginny. I noticed you posted an article on three proven strategies to manage in a crisis recently. I love the point you made about communicating clearly. I would love to get some, your advice because I'm having some difficulty in that area right now. Would you be available for 10 minutes? And if I don't respond to you, don't give up. Like I said during the presentation, email me again and say, hi, Jenny, I hope you're doing well. Um, would it be possible to get 10 minutes of your time? I really enjoyed that article you wrote, blah, 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 blah. Don't remind people that, remember I sent you an email a week ago that you haven't looked at yet? Don't do that because that's a, that's a turn off. But simply get curious and connect with a person one-on-one. -on -one. As an introvert, I think that's okay. And you don't need to make it all this rah-rah and a big group and, uh, 
be intentional to reach out to each person individually and make yourself of use. If you notice that they like a topic, find an article anywhere that you think will be valuable to them and said, by the way, Jimmy, I know that you're into XYZ. I found this article. I thought you may find it useful. And by the way, I would love to speak with you for 10 minutes about XYZ. Would you be, a, you know, would it be okay with you if we set something up? Here are the dates when I'm available. If those don't work, please let me know. So that's how you would do it. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Barrow. Um, I so I hear think. You, Michael. Oh, sorry. See if you can hear me a little bit better now. Hopefully the audio is coming through a little bit better. It's back. Okay, excellent. Um, so thank you very much for for your participation here. Uh, I think we'll wrap up the questions for now. Um, this has been a phenomenal presentation. I hope we can do more of these in the future. Um, as I mentioned, this is one of the most uh, interactive <laughs> seminars I think we've ever had. So there's clearly a lot of interest from the folks watching. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was great. We're going to Arsenio Hall a little uh, so we will definitely do more of these in the future. Um, what I do want to do is, again, thank you very much for taking the time. Again, this was a presentation by Dr. Jenny Barrow, successful career strategist, coach, uh, self-evident inspirational leader, author of Fearless Women at Work, and I'm very proud to say a distinguished graduate of NJIT. Yes. Um, Thanks, everybody. Yeah. So uh, again, if we're interested in more webinars like this, make sure to stay in touch with us. Um, share this with your friends. This particular presentation will be, uh, it is recorded. It's going to play a little bit later this afternoon. Um, and again, we'll do more live webinars like this. Please do update your information. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and a variety of other social media channels. Just search for NJIT alumni. Uh, and I do encourage everyone watching here to please leave comments for Dr. Barrow. As you can see, uh, she did recommend visiting her website and so on. Uh, and Jenny, um, I think you're pretty comfortable. Uh, you seem very comfortable with responding to people. And uh, it seems like the group here will be very comfortable reaching out to you. Absolutely. And I see all the thank yous. You're welcome. It's, it's been my pleasure sharing with you my golden nuggets. And go out and execute. Excellent. Uh, and uh, last push for me, um, please stay well, stay healthy, stay inside, and go Highlanders. Hi.